Thank you very much, Abel, also for leading the service and for showing up every time, every Sunday at 3 and helping to set up and, and everything else. So thank you so much for that. Um, yes, another exciting day in, uh, in our sermon series is that... Um, Last week we had the oh, oh, oh. Oh, obeying God or opposing God. It's kind of the the title I gave it after a little bit after many tries of many titles. Uh, I gave it that one. We'll see how well that works. Uh, but last week we had the story of Ananias and Sapphira that tried to copy Barnabas, but their hearts wasn't there. And so hypocrisy came into the church, but they were killed for their lying to the Holy Spirit. And then the end of last time we read that many times, uh, many times, many signs were done and healings were done by the apostles. And it was, it was sp spreading and people from around the villages or around Jerusalem was also coming to be healed. Because it kind of sets us up where, where, we, where we're going to read from today. Because it, what we're going to read from today is from 5.17 and then the rest of 5. Um, but just to set it up, um, because we see this strong response from the high priest. So let's read together. But the high priest rose up and all who were with him. That is the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors, prison doors, and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words <coughs> of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak. And began to teach. Now when the high priest came. And those who were with him. They called together the council. And all the senate of the people of Israel. And sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came. They did not find them in the prison. So they returned and reported. We found the prison securely locked. And, and the guards standing at the door. But when we opened, we found no one inside. Now the captain of the, of, the, of the temple and the priests and chief priests heard these words. They were greatly perplexed about, about them and wondered what this would come to. And someone came and told them, Look, the men you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. The captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. And when they had brought them and set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charge you not to teach in, in, in this name, and yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us.
But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at the right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and to forgiveness and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. They don't like the answer. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, Men of Israel, take care what you are about to do to these men. For before these days, Thaddeus rose up, claiming to be somebody. A number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came, and came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or undertaking is of God, of man, it will fail. But, is it, but if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them, and you might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice. And when they called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house they did not cease teaching and preaching that that Christ is Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. What a what a, what a story! What a what a strange turn of events this is. And also, as we were reading through, and many other commentators were saying, there's so many ironies that goes on in here. The powerful, the powerful kind of becomes the weak. They cannot stop these twelve peasant people, but they have all the power. They put them in prison, but then they're all of a sudden they're not in prison. And so there's all these interesting things going on. I'm just going to have this slide again, um, because now they're going to be in front of the council again. The Sanhedrin is when they say council here. So they're, they're, they again arrest, they arrest them again and put them in prison overnight again. That's kind of now we're seeing a pattern of they imprison them, then they have time to get everybody there the next day. Um, and so we are, as we were introduced the first time also, there's a, and Paul's going to use that also later, there's a, two different, uh, there's a, this, um, the Sadducees, and uh, was, I think it was Lee or somebody else, so they are sad, you see, because they don't believe in the res resurrection. That's how you can, uh, that's how you can, that's how you can uh, 
distinguish him from the Pharisees because the Pharisees do believe in the resurrection and spiritual things, but the Sadducees don't. So that's kind of a, if you want to keep those two straight, that's kind of a thing to have them keep straight. So, so after the, after the, after the, you can say the, the popularity and the ministry success that the, uh, that the, the disciples were having last uh, last week. Well, when, in the previous section, where they have tons of people coming to them, and a lot of people are believing, and then the the high priest they they raise up and they are filled. They're really filled with jealousy, extreme jealousy over what these men are. Well, are these men going to come and take everything over? We need to stop these people, just like we stopped Jesus. The interesting thing is that so far this tactic has not worked, and, to the, and in this chapter it doesn't work either. Because whatever they do, it kind of creates the opposite effect. They lock them up, but they are let out at night. They threaten them again, but they are even more bold at the end of the chapter. Um, uh, so that's kind of like this, like I said it's kind of ironic that the powerful people they put somebody in jail but the one who's really powerful lets them out at night and sends them right back to what they were doing um, so God provides an angel to come and open and tell them no no go back to where you were just arrested and, and speaks the words of this life so they do now Peter and John have now been arrested twice and they are still doing what the angel said. Because they're keeping fulfilling what Jesus said they would be. They keep being his witnesses. And they keep receiving this power to continue to do it. No matter how they're treated and threatened. Um, when they go before the council. They have these, uh, they have these charges against uh, them. Well we said that you were not allowed to speak in this name. But they already said last time, we're not going to listen to you. We will listen to God. So they didn't really listen to that charge. But then they bring another charge in this verse. And, and um, um, they bring this other charge that you are trying to blame us for killing Jesus. Like you're, you're, you're trying to bring this man's blood on, on us. And... The, the critic would say, well, you did kill him, so it's probably, it, is probably, it is like on you. Uh, I think uh, one of the beautiful parts of, uh, of this as well is that the, the, uh, this time Peter was the apostles, they keep, they keep giving them a chance to repent as well. Because they, they, even here again they explain that you killed him and God has exalted him as, as a leader and savior so the word leader in mind is like something it's also translated prince in some so it's the royalty of Jesus and, and we are witnesses uh, but it's repentance to Israel and forgiveness so they again extend if you believe this you can have forgiveness and repentance if you believe this so even to their accusers they're preaching and teaching and witnessing about the good news. Um, 
Then we have this uh, figure that, that also we're just uh, not much more is known uh, or talk about him, but we learn that a person we're going to meet in a few chapters, he has been taught by Gamaliel, uh, Saul, who also becomes Paul later. He has been taught by Gamaliel. So he is of a different, he's a different sect, not sect, but he's a different, he's a Pharisee. But he is respected by everybody, and so he stands up in them. And then they use the same tactic as last time. Let's just put them outside so we can discuss among ourselves uh, what we should do. And he, and he mentions these two other people in history that had drew, drew, drawn a crowd of up to 400 and said, okay, we are something. But the, the difference here is that when earlier the leader has died, all people were disbanded and it came to nothing more. So, what's the difference now? Well, the leader is dead, but they are not disbanding. They are becoming more. And so he's saying, take care of this and leave these people alone. They don't really do that, but almost. And why? Well, because if, if we are wrong, we will be fighting against God. And there's no way we can stop God. So we have to think about that. So they take his advice and they don't really leave them alone. They beat them and threaten them again. And I'm also going to say this later, but they don't, they, at this point in time, they have not understood that that doesn't work. Because the, because the apostles leave praising God that they were worthy to be, to be, to be a sufferer for Jesus' name. So they, them beating and threatening them makes them even more bold and even stronger because we see the result is what? The result is that every day in the temple and from house to house they did not cease teaching and preaching that Jesus, that Christ is Jesus. So all the things that the council was trying to do, I was like, I was getting this picture in my mind of, and I, I, I was just thinking about it, that they're trying to quench something. They're trying to stamp out a fire, like in a, in a dry, dry field. But as they do that, it, the fire springs from place to place and it spreads even more. So they're trying by violence and, and threats to say, now we're going to stop these people. But because of some of these verses that... Uh, it's kind of reverse. Uh, because of these verses that that uh, they've heard from Jesus uh, that he, said, he talks about in Matthew in Matthew 5 he, t he, t he says blessed are you it's just one second just one here Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. So Jesus said, that is a blessing. And the, 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 the apostles see that. They see, wow, now we are worthy enough to suffer for Jesus' name as he suffered for us. And Peter says in 1 first, first Peter 
I'm just gonna, I think I'm going to read one more verse uh, just before, so it would probably be 13. Uh, no, 12 actually. Uh, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery, fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. For if you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. And it goes on and saying, but don't suffer like a thief and a meddler. So, so the, they're in this theme of, well, we are actually being worthy now to be persecuted because we bear the name of Christ. And so the opposite happens and the gospel keeps spreading and they try even to share it with their, with their enemies. Then back to a little thing about jealousy. So I have a few themes I found in here. We have je- we have we have a big theme called jealous jealousy. It's actually the, what motivates the whole thing is jealousy. And so we maybe we we can see here why they are jealous. This, the, the 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 religious leaders are jealous because the, the they're getting huge crowds, they're getting huge followings, and they're do, they're doing all these signs. That points to that Jesus is a Christ. But they kind of killed him, so that's kind of stinky for them. So they're jealous because God's really using the disciples. And it seems like their power is slipping away. I found, I found from my favorite uh, dictionary, again, a, de- uh, um, um, a definition of jealous. And that's a longer definition, but I, I'm just going to highlight a, a, a few of them. You can see some of them there, but the main one is this one. In short, jealousy is is awakened by whatever whatever may exalt others or give them pleasure and advantage, which we desire for ourselves. So that's when jealousy arises in us, is when somebody gets something we would have wanted instead of them. Now, that maybe you could be like, well, I'm not, uh, I never do that, or I, I don't, definitely don't have a problem with that, or anything. Well, there was a, also in Pentecost, we had this, um, there was this like, the, the, the crowds were cut to the heart and asked Peter, what should we do? Here, the people, the, 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 the word picture here is that they're not cut to the heart, they're cut in two. So instead of letting their hearts be cut, they feel like they've been cut in two. And instead of repenting, they turn around and want to kill people. So there's a definitely different response to the truth. So maybe that's something to just keep in mind as we are thinking about what is jealousy and how does that even work out and is it something that sneaks up on us and 
maybe I'm not, I'm not, I mean, I'm not jealous anymore because, you know, I'm not a child anymore. I'm not jealous of my brother's toys or anything. But what about, like, the examples? What if somebody gets a promotion and we feel like it should have been ours? What about somebody else getting the job I thought I should have had? All those things. Is that revealing some jealousy in us and even some, some you would call... Uh, some ingratitude or uh, you can say ingenerous uh, some, some, some places in our hearts where we're not generous because I think it was Paul who said because our treasure is not really Jesus it's the stuff that we can get so as long as we pursue other things than Jesus himself, we can be sad or mad or angry if other people get what we want. If they get the job, if they get the house, there's a chance that jealousy would come up in us if Christ is not our ultimate treasure that we seek all the time. Because if... If what also what Abel was saying and what we sang in the songs, if those things are true, we shouldn't have any, there should be no jealousy in us because then we are resting in all what Christ is doing in and through Himself. We can be resting in that. Um, there's a few other things that I thought well, there's actually, there's, there's, this, there's the, the notion I was talking about where there was a, the fleshly or the manly, not manly, well, man as inhuman jealousy. But we know there's, or maybe you don't, but God is also a jealous God. So there's a right way to be jealous. And, and Paul expresses this in a, in a, in a, letter to the Corinthians that he is also jealous for them. So, so it's not the selfish jealousy, but it's a jealousness for, for a people to be taught correctly and not be, not, be, not be led astray. And for God to be jealous about himself and his own glory, that that would not be taken from us. Because nobody else can bear that. So it's a good jealousy, a good right jealousy. Um, but often we only know the one because that's the one we see the most in our, in our world. But I would say, as I was just thinking and reflecting, I think this week, Kanye was mentioning this thing, and I, and I do think, I, I mean, I'm, I'm growing smallly in it, but I do believe I have some jealousy for you guys. I, I can get very mad if I feel like somebody is trying to take away from you life. If you are worrying about a lot of things and it seems like you are in great fear, I can sometimes, <laughs> I can sometimes get like, but that's not the way it's supposed to be. Because Christ has set us free so we should not be dominated by fear. True life in, in Christ is to that we live for Him freely. So I guess I've seen that 
I'm, I'm not saying I'm not Paul and I'm not God at all, but I think we can have that for ourselves and maybe even for our families, that we would be jealous for people to have the right teaching and the right encouragement, have, have a life that lives it's lived in Christ for freedom and not for also what we talked about last time, not being set by, free from prison from Jesus, from shame, pain, and guilt, and sin, just to walk into the ne next prison of something else, but to actually be let out to be free with Jesus. Um, I had this, uh, I, I think it was because of the prison break. It, is there sometimes we think that God is limited when he's not really limited? Because, you know, the disciples could have given up, given up when they were in prison. It's like, okay, that's over. I mean, but God just bursts them out of prison. So the question maybe for us is to ask, like, do I sometimes limit God in my life? Uh, that he's, if he's not limited by prison walls, he's probably not limited by... Um, by whatever you think or can sometimes think is limiting to share with your neighbor or your friend to do good things to others and, and to see like God can and I think it's just that when we, when we start doubting that then think about well he actually did save you so he is not unable and his hand is not too short to save whoever so I think that's just an encouragement to that. I just thought that as the, as the bursting out of the prison. And then just uh, two more. There, like I said, there's, there's these two responses to the gospel. Either we're cut through the heart and we run to Jesus for acceptance. Or we get really angry and we want to kill the messenger. So for you uh, that's not a believer, is how do you respond to Jesus? I remember just like a few weeks ago, we had somebody at our house share their story, and he, he had just said like, he was so mad, he was so angry, because he thought all the teaching was like, but it was because, it was because he wasn't, he was like resisting the teaching. So he was so mad at all the people, until Jesus pierced through. We can see here that the response of rejecting Jesus, or the messengers who brings it, is that they want to kill people. But what about you who, what do you do with Jesus? What do you do when somebody comes and says, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There's no life apart from him. Just like, well, you are so narrow-minded. It's like, is that your response? Is it, oh, wow, I'm pierced in my heart that I've sinned against on my almighty God. And I want to repent and follow him. For us as believers, you could say, well, I don't struggle with that. Well, what happens when your wife or a friend or a neighbor or somebody comes to you in humility and points out some sin you've done? What is your, what is your most often response? Is that, oh, thank you very much. Thank you very much for pointing out my faults and failures. Or is it, um, I feel like I want to kill you because you pointed out things I did wrong. So we have to see when somebody brings the gospel to us as well, 
how do we respond? Not just the first time, but how do we respond every, every time somebody brings in something that confronts us or, or challenges us? Are we more about running to Jesus for that grace that we have? Or do we want to find the sword or, or the gun and cut the messenger in pieces? Metaphorically, I'm not saying, but uh, as you're just thinking about those things, how do I respond to the gospel? How do I respond when somebody confronts me with sin? Is my heart tender to run to Jesus, or would I have a tendency to lash out against the messenger? Later next, we're going to see a third, <laughs> third response is, Oh, I don't really care. <laughs> Went to the gospel. The last point is that I had was um, what is true joy? Um, I was thinking, like, I don't know, maybe even also in this climate and in this time, um, where do we find our true joy? As the apostles, we are also called to witness about who Jesus is. And I was just thinking, what if, what if I, what if all of us, instead of complaining with culture about all the things that are going wrong, what if we were naive enough or had faith enough that our response would be worship? That as stinky as this situation is and those seven counties shut down we have to wear masks we can't do a lot of things what if our what if our hearts was geared towards Lord we praise you we honor you we seek you what if that's our response when things go wrong because that's exactly what we see the disciples do they physically they physically get beaten and threatened. But they believe Jesus' words and say, we are worthy. We have been worthy to suffer for Christ's sake. I'm just thinking that our, that our hearts and minds would probably overflow a lot more with living, wa living water and life for Jesus to work in the world than if you're sometimes like me and you're scrolling through different things and you just, I get just as mad and think everybody's idiots. Um, but that does not bring a blessing to anyone. Um, and just a note, like, I am not a leader of the country, of this country or the city or the school, which I have to be honest, I have been quite frustrated with. But in my clearer moments, I remember that I'm responsible here, and that weight is actually a lot. If we go to the school, that's times 500. If we go to the country, that's times million. I don't know what to talk about. Well, the time is times a lot. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm saying, what I'm saying is, what if our responses to all this weirdness that's happening is actually worship in Jesus 
and treasuring who He is, that our responses would actually be blessing even to the people that we disagree with. We see it in the apostles. It's not that they're not saying anything right. They are speaking the truth in love and they keep extending the gospel. You did kill Jesus, but God raised him. That you, if you believe in him, will have forgiveness of sins and have the Holy Spirit. What if we all as a people would be that to the local governments, to the schools, to our neighbors? What if we are people that encourage each other towards Jesus as the ultimate treasure as we witness for Him? That's what I hope and prayer for me and for us. That we will be a place where people think we are a little bit strange and a little bit weird. Just like what they did with the people in Solomon's portico. Maybe a little bit dangerous on a good day, on a, on a, good day, a little bit dangerous. But strange, so strange that even in strange times we would bless other people and we would encourage people to come to know Jesus even the people that would curse us or say bad things about us and Jesus we would keep inviting them to get to know Him this was what I had for, for this text uh, today well, we're going to continue and, and next week, and and uh, and he's going to uh, Luke is going to use his his um, narrative to to uh, we're going to have actually another conflict, and then in that conflict we're going to have a new man introduced, and then for a couple of chapters we're going to be talking about Stephen, um, and so that's also going to be another exciting time. So if you're reading along, you can read chapter 6, maybe even 7, just to get, to get going. Um, and then we'll see what the Lord brings to us. So remember, what is our responses to the gospel? What is our response to suffering or trials? Or strange things happening? Is it treasuring and worshiping Jesus and blessing our community by prayer and supplication and service that they might see who Jesus is? Lord God, we, we thank you so much. I mean, Heavenly Father, you are the Lord of all things, the heaven's armies and everything, and you, there's, you're unstoppable. And sometimes I can just get stuck in my mind uh, being frustrated about all sorts of things. And Lord, I pray for my heart and my mind, as Paul said, enlarging our hearts. Lord, that my heart will become bigger and bigger to have received more and more of, of your grace and mercy. Understand better and better what you have done, Jesus. Um, I pray against frustration, sadness, fear, isolation. Uh, Lord, I pray when we get enraged, I pray you would help us to do it in the right way. And then go to worship you and then, then be called into action 
to push away darkness uh, as you lead us to the well, Lord, I ask that we will be a people filled with your love and your joy and your mercy. That we will be a praying people for whoever is in the local government, for whoever is leading the companies, for even when we don't agree, Lord. But we will continue to bless that you will be proclaimed and people will be able to see who you are. We ask that we continue to proclaim your truth steadfastly and with great joy. And Lord, creating us a heart that grows and grows in understanding of who you are as our treasure. Help us be confident in, in who, you, who you are so it's not us lifting the work. Lord, I do, do thank you that no prison bars or no councils can stamp out the fire that you lit in those believers. And Lord, we thank you that we stand on their shoulders because um, they, they started spreading this good news about you, Jesus, to the whole world. So we thank you and praise you. And Lord, we just want to pray just in the end here for all the places that this is still going on today. People meeting in secret, persecuted. Lord, we know you're working among those people and I ask that you're helping them have the same confidence as we see here. That as they're being persecuted, they would count that joy that they are worthy to suffer. And Lord, we thank you and praise you for this time in Jesus' name.